0: Morning. Welcome to Bay Area. Here we are. End of twenty seventeen. Beginning of twenty eighteen is virtually upon us. So congratulations. You've survived the Christmas season. Hopefully your wallet is still intact. Hopefully everyone is thankful for whatever they've been given, whether they be material or immaterial gifts. You know, for some of you, this was an amazing year that was filled with many joys and accomplishments. For some of you, this was a year that was filled with some frustrations and maybe some challenges. But whether this was the best year you've ever had or one that you're looking forward to putting behind you, I just want to say we're glad you're here this morning. We're here to celebrate with you if you want to celebrate. We're here to comfort you if you need comforting, but we are glad you are here this morning. Either way, I find that we look forward to the coming of a new year. It comes with a lot of promise and hope. We often take the start of a new year to do some reflecting, even to make some resolutions. We're going to talk about both this morning. First, I want to take some time to talk about reflection. Sometimes it's appropriate or even beneficial to reflect on things that you have done. But I submit to you that it is always beneficial to focus and reflect on what God has done. When we look at what we've done, we see some wins and some losses. But when we look at what God has done, we see nothing but victory. It's always a good idea to reflect on what God has done. In fact, God's people are actually commanded to reflect on what he has done. If you are familiar with the Old Testament, you know multiple times the Bible tells the people to remember. When God brought the people out of Egypt, he told them over and over again, Remember, I delivered you with an outstretched hand. But they were forgetful people. And so God has to repeat that message again and again The people would forget. We get to Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9, where God says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me. But they were a forgetful people. And so, time and time again, they forget the Lord. It gets so bad that in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 32, God says, Does a young woman forget her jewelry, a bride her wedding ornaments? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. You know, I've had an opportunity to perform several weddings. I officiated those ceremonies, and I've never seen a bride forget to wear her jewelry. I've never seen a bride forget to wear the different pieces of jewelry or accessories that she intended to wear. Never. I remember when I got married. It was right here in this building, and I was standing Maybe about here. Kind of like this. I <laughs> standing there, right? All right, I had Keith over here and some of the other guys over here. But Nicole hadn't come in yet. She's about to make interest. So the music changes, and then boom, the back doors open up. Back there where my brother's standing. Everybody's looking at him. The doors open up, and she come walking down the aisle. Oh, my. She didn't forget anything. Earrings, Necklace. Clips in her hair. Ooh. Ooh. I saw her walking down the aisle before I could catch myself. I said, Woo! I never shouted in church before that. But I shouted that day. She didn't forget anything. Young women don't forget their jewelry and brides don't forget their wedding ornaments. But God says, How do you remember that stuff and you forget me? The women don't forget those things because it's special. It's important. God is more special. He is more important, yet, his people were forgetful. They forgot him time and time again. But yet, here we are. People back then, they forgot. But this morning, we're in a new covenant. Do we forget? Every time God's people forget him, disaster comes. To forget the, the Lord is to turn your back on him. To forget the Lord is to fall into sin. To forget the Lord is to act as though he hasn't already provided everything you already need what about us? Here you are this morning, living under a new covenant. You know, it's marked by the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. But the command is still the same. Remember. Jesus tells us in Luke 22, verse 9, to do these things in remembrance of me. So every Sunday morning we get together, we take the Lord's Supper. But we are forgetful people. How many times does your mind wander while the plates are being passed? How many times are you preoccupied with other things that are going on? How many times do we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made by taking of the Lord's Supper and then completely forget Monday through Friday that God's going to take care of everything? We're forgetful people. There's nothing wrong with reflecting, but if we're going to reflect, let's reflect on what God has done for us. If you reflect on your own accomplishments, you will be disappointed. But if you reflect on God's accomplishments, the things that he has done for you, you've got to realize he's got everything under control. You see... That's part of the struggle that I've personally been having this past year. And I feel like when God gives me an opportunity to preach, oftentimes he will place something on my heart that I need to hear. And so while I'm standing here and I might be preaching to you, I'm really talking to myself. Some of y'all just along for the ride. But I feel like God is efficient. And so when he calls me to say something, I need to hear it. But maybe somebody this morning need to hear it, too. We need to reflect on what God has done. I want to draw your attention to the fact that if you've been focusing on your own abilities, your own shortcomings, I'm going to encourage you, put your focus on God. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, verse 16, I don't have it up here, so if you feel like turning in your Bible, feel free. Proverbs 24, 16 says that the righteous falls seven times and rises again. And I bring that verse up because this verse is saying that the righteous life is not defined by success and happiness, but is defined by determination and perseverance through the struggles. Right now, there's some people in this room who feel like They've made a mess of things. But I want to encourage you that no matter what you've done, God can fix it. You need to know that God can fix it. I don't know the situation. But maybe you really messed some things up. You need to know you serve a God who is capable of fixing anything that you've messed up. When I started writing this sermon, I didn't intend to get into this too much. I had some other things that I wanted to talk about, some other things that I wanted to say to you, but I really felt this was pressing hard on me. And I feel like when God wants me to say something, I'm kind of nervous not to say it. Like maybe it's important or something. And so I wanted to share this with you, and I don't know who it's going to affect, but God bless you, maybe somebody here is going to be blessed as a result. So I move on. As we mentioned, people will take this opportunity to reflect, but they also take this opportunity to make some resolutions. Now, we know resolutions. Resolutions are those commitments that we make to do the things that we know we should be doing or to stop doing the things we know we shouldn't be doing. For many people, they want to eat healthy. They want to get in shape. For some of you, you might want to finish reading the Bible cover to cover. Make sure you have daily devotional time. All of those are good goals. The problem with resolutions is often not the goal, it's the follow through. You know the story all too well. Somebody says, I want to get in shape. So they go get a gym membership. Nothing wrong with that. They start out January real strong. They're going every day. They're going as often as they can. They're getting in shape. But February comes. Yeah, They get a little busy. Maybe they don't get to go as often. Then March comes. Now you don't see them at all. It was a good goal. What about... Those of you who said, you know what, I want to read the Bible cover to cover. In January, you hit the book of Genesis. You're going strong. Exodus, great. Then you get to Leviticus. Kind of slow down a bit. And then you die a slow death in the book of Deuteronomy Numbers. What happened? You had the right goal. It was just the follow through. That was the problem. And so if you find yourself in that situation time and time again, my encouragement, just keep going. Keep going. Maybe you don't do it every day like you originally planned, but keep going. You will be blessed. You will reap benefits from those things if you keep going. But the thing that I really want to draw your attention to this morning. While it's in the. It can be discouraging to not reach a goal. What happens when you reach a goal only to find out it wasn't what you thought it was going to be? Take a look at this picture. (laughs) I like this picture. This to me looks like a cat that is stalking a bald eagle. This is not going to end well. OK, if this cat is a thinking of attacking that eagle, it's not going to go the way it thinks it's going to go. OK, this is going to be bad. And so while I look at this picture, it's, it's a bit humorous and it reminds me of a story that I dealt with in my own life. Now, I shared this in first service. A lot of people laughed at me, and I think that's appropriate. So I'm going to share it with you this morning if you want to hear it. Y'all want to hear it. OK, in the interest of full disclosure, I was going to tell you either way. Okay, but growing up in Pensacola, when my mom would go grocery shopping, on occasion, she would buy bananas. And I am the youngest of three kids in my family. And for whatever reason, we got it in our heads that we wanted the sticker that came on the bananas. I was the youngest. I usually didn't get the sticker on one occasion. I managed to get the sticker. Now, once I finally got that sticker, I actually took it off of the banana and stuck it on my forehead. And I did a little victory dance. Ha-ha, I got the sticker. You don't. There was a couple different companies that made and distributed bananas in Pensacola. One of them was Dole. The other one was Chiquita. Chiquita. Okay, so I wanted the sticker that said Chiquita. And so I finally got the sticker and actually when I took it off my forehead, I wore it on my shirt, wore it around all day long with pride. Chiquita. We didn't speak any Spanish back then. And and I didn't know that Chiquita wasn't just a name brand, it actually means something in Spanish. Some some of you know, brother, brother Henlon, you, you speak Spanish. Can you tell the rest of us who may not know, what does Chiquita mean? Small. It means small what? <laughs> it means little girl. So i got this sticker that I've been wanting all this time, and I stuck it on me, and I'm walking around, and it says, little girl. It wasn't what I thought it was. Sometimes we can have a goal that even once we get it, It's disappointing. It's not what you thought it was going to be. Let me ask you this. We just celebrated Christmas. How many of you parents bought your kids gifts that they were begging you to have? And then they get it. And then they're bored with it. They may not even last all morning long playing with it, and by the end of the week, they're playing with the box. You spend all the money on the gift, and they're playing with the box. They got it, but it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Now, this isn't just for kids. What about those of you who are in relationships? Somebody already said, hmm. Those of you who may want to be in relationships, you've been looking for that certain somebody to come along. And now here they are. And you start this relationship It ain't what you thought it was going to be. What about some of you married folks? Was it what you thought it was going to be? Now, I'm going to move on from this because I don't want my wife to start saying amen or anything like that. Because I'm afraid I might make this point and it's not what I thought it was going to be. But I want you to consider that. Too often we make goals only to find out this isn't what we thought we were going to be. So let me move on from this part. Let's talk about those who make goals based upon monetary gain. We all know that we need money to take care of ourselves, to take care of our families. In fact, this church needs money in order to keep the lights on and to advance the gospel serve other people. We get it. Nothing wrong with that. But let me ask you this. How much is enough? How much is enough? You see, there's many of us, even those of us in this room, that we go to a job that we don't even like. You deal with people that you don't want to be around, and you sacrifice time with your family, all for money. How much is enough? Is it everything you thought it would be? For those of you who are just entering into adulthood, you couldn't wait to be out of your parents' house. Couldn't wait to be grown. Is it everything you thought it would be? Maybe not. We won't come out and admit it. But oftentimes, deep down inside, there's just this desire to want more and more. We need to be careful. Because there's a real danger in that. Jesus says in Matthew nineteen twenty three. Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's an inconvenient verse if ever there was one. Mm. You know, we get to a verse like this and all of a sudden we turn into Bible scholars. What do I mean by that? You read and you go, well, wait a minute. What does it say in the Greek? I'm going to go read some commentaries on this one. I'm going to look at some different translations, because it can't mean what I think it means. And so I looked it up. In English, it says, it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. In the Greek, it says, it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. doesn't matter what translation you use, it says the same thing. And so when we try to figure out maybe it's saying something different, when that trick doesn't work, the next step is to try and convince ourselves this doesn't apply to us. You say, well, I'm not rich. I'm just working to try and make ends meet. Right? That's for them rich people. Do you realize that the poorest of us in this room is richer than practically everyone that heard Jesus say this? I mean, really, if you have access to clean water, a roof over your head, a method of transportation that doesn't eat hay, you're doing a lot better than they were. But yet we don't want to think of ourselves as rich. Really? You got running water. You take fresh, clean, drinkable water and fill your toilet. There's people in this world who will travel miles to get to a source of water that is as clean as that stuff that you fill your toilet. You don't think you're rich. You don't even like the stuff that comes out of the tap. So you go buy it in a bottle. And then on top of that, some of you still put some sort of flavoring agent in it because you don't like the taste of water. What is that if not something a rich person would do you're blessed the rest of the world is looking at you going you already got it made and according to God he's already giving you everything you need for life and godliness so why isn't it enough money never brings happiness I said, money never brings happiness. Every day, we can turn on the TV and we can see rich and famous people who are miserable. They often turn to drugs, alcohol, sometimes even suicide. Why? Why? Because those things don't bring happiness. A life without God is meaningless. That's not you and me, right? We don't make those kind of resolutions. Our resolutions are godly. Matter of fact, let's go to this next verse. Our resolutions are made to make us more like Jesus. Let's go to Second Peter, chapter 3. The first part of verse 18 says, But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our resolutions are right in line with what God told us to do. And so we look at that. This is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Everything is just right. We want to be more like Jesus. We want our lives to be transformed so that we can be more and more like him. But do we really? Do you really want to be more like Jesus? Now, I know that's an odd thing to ask a church full of people, because that's kind of why you're here. Right. Of course you do. But. Jesus had to deal with this very thing in Matthew, chapter eight. In verses 19 and 20, it says, then a teacher of the law came up to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. When this man comes up to Jesus, he sounds pretty determined. Seems like he said all the right things. But Jesus tells him, this may not be what you think it's going to be. You see, this teacher, of law was blessed. I think many of us can relate. He probably enjoyed a certain level of comfort. But to follow Jesus... You have to be willing to sacrifice that comfort. And so I ask you, you say you want to be like Jesus, but do you really? I hope you do. It's certainly the right decision, but is it what you think it's going to be? Jesus makes it clear in Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So we read that. It lines up perfectly with the next verse that we're going to read, which is in Romans. Oh, Hang on a second, which is in Romans chapter 12, verse one, where he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be living sacrifices to pick up a cross daily and follow him. But you know the funny thing about a living sacrifice? They tend to want to get off the altar. Sometimes we don't want to carry a cross. It's not comfortable. It's not convenient. But if we're going to be more like Jesus, we have to be willing to sacrifice our comfort. You say you want to be like Christ. I hope you do. It's certainly worth it. But there's one more thing I want us to look at. I want you to be aware that when you decide to be more like Jesus, you got to be less like the world. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verses 20 through 21. He says, remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If you're a Christian, don't be surprised when the world attacks you. Don't be surprised that they ridicule you for not accepting the sinful things they do. We see in the news that a Christian baker was sued for not making a cake that someone wanted them to make. Are we surprised? We see people who are attacked verbally, financially, sometimes physically, because they believe in a Jesus Christ That caused them to be different. If we're going to be more like Jesus, we've got to be less like the world. You can't have both. I want to leave you with some good news. These sacrifices of convenience and comfort that we make are worth it. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Now. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. And that makes everything worthwhile. All of the persecution is worthwhile because we get to share in his glory. We receive an inheritance because we belong to him. You want to be more like Jesus? I hope you do. Because it's worth it. So let me wrap this up this morning. As I said before, here we are. End of 2017. The start of 2018. As you reflect on the past year and look forward to the new, make sure you put your focus on God. Too often we pursue things that just don't bring happiness. They only lead to disappointment. Neither money nor relationships nor anything else can bring lasting peace. And I don't know what kind of year you've had in 2017. Maybe it was great. Maybe it was awful. But I pray your 2018 is even better. As you start this new year, make the commitment, the resolution to be more like Christ. Make the resolution. Stick with it. It's the only way to true peace. It's the only way to eternal life. So if you want to get practical, if you want to figure out how do I actually serve, how do I get involved, see one of the elders, one of the deacons. As Mike said, see the person next to you. There's lots of ways to get involved. There's lots of ways to serve. Now for some of you, You're in this room right now, but you're not a Christian. I find it amazing that people who aren't Christians are willing to put up with us week after week. Why are you waiting? 2018 is coming. Make this your year to give your life to Christ. Better yet, make it the day that you give your life to Christ. I don't know how much time you got. Don't wait. Make the resolution. Some of you have needs, things that are on your heart. If there's anything that we can do to help lift burdens or share those needs, please join us down front as we stand and sing.